This is MMA Torch editor Jamie Pennock, and I'm joined today by Torch columnist Matt Pelkey and Jason Bent for the Torch audio update on April 17th, 2009. Uh, guys, we are on the eve of UFC 97. Uh, last weekend, Strike Force debuted uh, on Showtime uh, with their new uh, new contract with Showtime, had their first event. Um, so a lot of stuff going on this week after... Uh, a bit of a layoff outside of the uh, fight night on April 1st, but um, I want to get your overall thoughts on, on Strike Force and what you're most looking forward to with tomorrow night's UFC 97 show. Jason, let's Overall thoughts, I, I give them an A-plus because it took everything that was good about Elite XC, and there were a few good things, namely the fighters. Uh, it took some of the production values, and it just relaunched Strike Force as a brand the best way possible. The pacing was perfect. Everything went off without a hitch, save for Cyborg's you know, weight problem. But it was a fantastic card. You had a main event that was solid with a great finish, you know, in the hand of Nick, Nick Diaz. Uh, Smith versus Raddick was an amazing fight, fight of the year quality. Uh, you set up a, a night of fights to where people are so pleased with what they've seen that they're going to check out your next show. And this was everything that a company like Affliction should look to do. This is the right way to promote MMA if you're not UFC. This was perfect. As for what I'm looking forward to tomorrow with uh, 97, I want to see what Liddell has left. That's the main thing. I want to see what he has left, and I want to see if perhaps Anderson Silva does turn it up another notch after his performance against Patrick Cote. Uh, overall, I'm nonplussed about it because I don't think I don't think Chuck and Shogun is as big a fight as it was, say, two years ago. And at this point, I don't see anybody touching Anderson Silva. But this is a very good card overall with a solid undercard. And I'm hoping we get to see a couple of those undercard fights on the main show. I've got a particular interest in Lawasso versus Herman. It just, I think that's going to be a really, really good undercard fight. I think they match up well. Overall, I think that's a B-plus going into it. A-plus with having Silva but it definitely should be a better card because it's, you know, the best in the world. Anderson Silva's at the top of it. Matt, same thing to you. Uh, I really like the Strike Force show. Uh, I thought, considering the, the bumps in the road they had along the way, including up until, you know, the night before the show, they they had about as good a show as they could have hoped for. Um, you know, they, they had already lost Josh Thompson in what was, supposed to be their their number two fight on that card with him defending his uh, lightweight title against Gilbert Melendez. But you lost the title holder, so that's that's a pretty big blow to a fight. You can't just really uh, sub in a new contender and go, okay, now it's still a title fight. So they created a title. It was kind of a tough position they were put in. Um, Same thing with the Cyborg fight. Uh, They had to kind of compromise their principles, I think, a little bit, but, you know, making backstage deals to make sure the the fight went on, but one of the big fights they're building towards is that uh, Santos um, Gina Carano fight. So they really couldn't afford to to have one of their other main attractions out of that fight or off the card as well. So um, hopefully the we'll just kind of you know sweep that under the rug and forget it happened. Hopefully also they'll let them fight at 155 when they do actually meet, since that's a much more natural weight class for both. You know who cares if they're the only two fighters in that weight class. If those are the two biggest fighters in the women's division, other women will will start fighting at that weight. It's just going to happen. So it's better than 
having the embarrassing situation of two women in a, in a huge fight who can't make weight. Um, that would be too much of a black eye. So put them at their natural weight and let them go at it. Main event was fantastic. I love Nick Diaz. Um, that was a dominant performance. It was a star-making performance. And I, and I think he can kind of take the torch from Frank Shamrock and be the face of Strike Force going forward. Um, tomorrow night's card, I, I like top to bottom. I think it's really strong top to bottom. Um, I, I honestly think that the Shogun Liddell fight, while we all pine for why couldn't we have seen this uh, two or three years ago when when they were in their primes and what a great fight that would have been, but the fact that such a short time later two of the greats in their division just a couple of years ago are now basically fighting for their livelihood and, and fighting to keep their job. And I almost think that makes it a little bit more intriguing than a fight would have been a couple of years ago. Um, aside from that, we get to see Anderson Silva fight, always a plus. Uh, and uh, the theme of, of redemption, you know, it's the name of the show. It, it also applies to guys like Dennis Kang, who was highly uh, thought of coming in and got submitted by a well, purple belt, now in Belcher. So he gets a, a chance of redemption, and David Loazzo making his return after a couple of year absence. You know, uh, as Jason said, that's a, it's a fight to look forward to, and I just think we get quality action all the way up and down the card. So if we get a couple of quick finishes, we're pretty much guaranteed to get some quality stuff filling in the blanks too. Yeah, I'm I'm with you guys on Strike Force. They definitely put their best foot forward with uh all the all the things that happened to them the week leading up to that. Um Matt, I'm definitely with you that the Carano Cyborg fight needs to be at one fifty five. Uh it's just one forty five as a benchmark for the women's division, it doesn't work when you've got fighters like Carano and uh Santos that are just too big for that weight. I mean, they've gotten down to it, but they don't have the years of weight-cutting experience that a lot of the, the male fighters do um, and haven't had to deal with that situation as uh, for as long, and so they don't have as much of experience with that and can't really get down to it as, as easily. And, uh, I mean, we've seen Carano miss weight on multiple occasions. Now Cyborg misses weight, and there was a gigantic disparity between her and Akano in that fight and it was it, it could have been a major major black eye if if Akano would have been seriously injured in that fight uh that would have been a, a complete negative for strike force had that happened thankfully it did not and we can move on past that um you know smith what else can you say about scott smith is except for that he's going to fight until he's dead i mean the fact that he came back once again it was it just completely reminiscent of the Pete Cell fight where you think he's down and out and he pulls something out. I, I couldn't believe he survived the second round to get to that third round. Um, and then main event, Matt, again with you. Diaz looked awesome. That was a passing of the torch for him. He's definitely someone that can be the face of strike force. And the fact that he uh, showed the sign of respect that he did and helped Shamrock up and after all of the trash talking, uh, did what he did. Uh, I, I thought that was um, really, really classy of him, which is not an adjective used to describe Nick Tien very often, but uh, it definitely was on Saturday night, and it was a great start, and they can only improve upon it. So uh, hopefully they continue that with the June show, which is looking to be a, a very good card in and of itself. But moving on to tomorrow night, um, 
let's just start with the main card. Uh, we'll we'll hit up some of the, your thoughts on the undercard as we go along. But uh, our main card, we've got Brian Stan against Chris Bastosinski, Czech Congo against Ant- Anthony Hardonk, Louise Kane against Steve Cantwell, Mauricio Hua against Chuck Liddell, and Anderson Silva against Talis Leitis. This entire card is is kind of deceptively strong because on the name value outside of Silva and Liddell, it doesn't seem like it's it's a big deal card. All the fights on here are really solid matchups, and we've got a lot of. I, I'm with you guys on wanting to see the Loazo Herman fight. I think with the Canadian fighters on this card are going to be amped up, fighting in front of the home country uh, in Montreal. And uh, I, I think the Canadian crowd, once again, uh, elevate what is uh, definitely a good card into a, a much better status. Uh, let's start with the Brian Stan Christoph Szczynski fight for the main card. Uh, Jason, I want to get your thoughts on this first, then Matt will go to you. Szczynski uh, versus Stan, uh, my prediction is Christoph, my first round submission. And I'm even going to go so far as to say, what the hell, his third Kimura win in a row. I mean, that, that's way out there, but it's not beyond belief. Uh, I mean, Stan's a great guy. You know, his life has been one big Toby Keith, big and rich song. But this hero is still just too basic of a fighter. And you cannot beat a guy like Sashensky with strictly a boxing game. And at this point, what I see is suspect takedown defense. I mean, one punch from Brian Stan could well prove me wrong. But one takedown from Kristoff says I'm right. And I think this is going to be a fantastic win for Sashensky over a solid WEC veteran, and I think this is going to be what the UFC wants as far as, you know, Christoph was pegged as an early favorite to win tough. Obviously, he did not, but he is poised to be a star, or not so much a star at the top of the card, but a mid-card star. A victory in this bout sets him well on that way. He's got a good personality. He's a solid fighter. I just think overall he's too complete for Brian Stan to beat. One punch changes everything. But save for that one punch connecting, I'm going to go with my gut and take Kristoff by submission. And I will go as far as to say he takes the Kimura again. Matt, you're thinking on this fight. Yeah, I'm with Jason on this one. Um, I think this is about the third different medium I've used to say this. But I would be much more open to this fight being on the main card if it wasn't for the fact that Brian Stan got exposed in his last fight. Steve Campbell picked him apart. Um all we'd seen from Brian Stan up until that point was guys that weren't even as skilled as him, which is kind of sorry, uh, you know, standing in front of him and getting punched in the face. Uh, he has decent power. It's not great power. He has decent power. But he's he's kind of a stiff striker. He's, he's not very well refined. He hasn't been in the game that long. So I, I don't expect him to be that great. It was just... The story was so good, and they had such a, a, a thin, light heavyweight division that he was kind of able to, to run through it a little bit up until Steve Campbell got his rematch and just picked him apart. Um, he's not that great of a striker. His ground game is, is virtually non-existent, I think, at this point. And and Kristoff is smart enough to just take him down and get the submission. And, and like Jason said, Akimura, I mean, that's that's the kind of submission that, that a guy like Brian Stan is going to fall victim to when it's like to go to the ground, just a kind of a rookie mistake type of thing. So... I would much rather see the Sam Stout Matt Wyman fight, the you know David Loazzo at Herman fight, the Jason McDonald Corey fight. You know any of those I think would would kind of be more fitting on it as the first fight on the main card. But 
I think they're trying to, you know, push the the Captain America number two angle as much as they can, and I just don't think it's going to ever get off the ground because Kristoff, while not a, a superstar, is is a, a solid veteran fighter who's going to know how to get the win here. And, and I'm with Jason. It's the mission in the first round, snatching an arm somewhere along the way. Well, we're all in agreement on uh, the finish of this fight, and that's Szczynski by submission. But I think Stan might be able to get himself out of the first round. Um, I, I, you know, he he's definitely got the signs of being a future really good fighter, but he doesn't have the whole game developed. He was in a weaker um, light heavyweight division in the WEC, and Matt, you're right, he did get exposed by Steve Cantwell in that last fight. Um, and Kristoff's going to be able to to win this fight once it gets to the ground. As soon as he gets it to the ground, it's not going to take much longer uh, for him to finish Brian Stan off. I think Stan might be able to pepper him with some shots in the first round, but he's not going to knock him out. Uh, I, I think this one goes just into the second round, and Szczynski picks something off. But I'm with you guys. Kristoff's uh, just too experienced and too good on the ground for Brian Stan at this stage. Um so next up, we'll move on to Czech Congo against Anthony Hardonk. This one, you know what, as much uh, as Hardonk has improved um, and, and as good as he looked in his last fight, Czech Congo is out to make people fear him. I mean, after his loss to Heath Herring, the last two fights he has just dominated. Granted, it wasn't against anywhere near um, higher level heavyweights, but He's looked very good. He wants to get his name in there for the shortlist for the heavyweight title. And you know what? I just I see him taking this one early, first round TKO. He's just going to be too powerful, too strong. Uh, his, his hands are going to be too heavy for Hardonk in this one. I got Czech Congo first round TKO. Matt, where are you at on this fight? Yeah, I'm with you on on Czech Congo. Um... I think he's kind of evolved from a physically overwhelming fighter to a smart physically overwhelming fighter. Um, I don't think he's going to let his his pride kind of get in the way here and try and prove that he's the better striker on the feet. Um, If he does that, he's going to eat way too many leg kicks from Hardonk, and that's going to wear out the the kind of small legs of Congo. You know, his his legs don't exactly match his his tank-like upper body. Um, I, I think Congo is going to take Hardonk down, who has no takedown defense and no ground skills whatsoever. And Congo is going to use his ever-improving ground and pound skills to just pound on him for, for round after round. Um, I was actually surprised. I don't know if anybody else knows this. Maybe I just read it wrong because I, I couldn't find the video anywhere. Um, apparently Hardonk weighed in 17 pounds heavier than Czech Congo, and, and that just seems crazy in my head. Because in my head, I would think that Czech Congo would have the 15-pound size advantage in this fight. But Congo's kind of a, a rip, 230-some you know, pounds, and Hardunk's more of a close to 250 type of guy. So um, I, I think Congo will be able to take him down, though, and that's where his big advantage is going to be in this fight, is taking advantage of a, a guy who has no ground skills. Um, I think probably second round, I think he's going to kind of lay a beating on him for a little while. Hardunk's a pretty tough guy, though, so... He can take a few punches, but second round, Congo finally wears him out and gets the stoppage. Jason, where are you at on this uh, heavyweight bout? I've got Congo winning the bout, but I've actually seen this thing going the distance, and I picked Congo by unanimous decision. 
I think Czech is going to stand on his feet and want to trade so he can get that highlight reel knockout. And I think Hardonk is going to shock those who are unfamiliar with him and impress those that already are by just dishing out some severe punishment with his leg kicks. I think Congo can control the pace and he'll land the more effective blows, but I think Hardonk's leg kicks are what are going to keep him in this bout, and I think we're going to see a shock as far as this being a back-and-forth war. I think it'll still be a victory for Congo, but I think Hardonk's stock will rise incredibly with the performance in this. And the main reason I'm going this way is Congo is looking for a highlight reel kind of performance, and it's very possible he could, you know, fight down to the perceived level of a Hardonk as frustrations mount, because, hey, it's going to be a while before he gets a title shot with the current picture up there. So uh, if he has a little bit of an off day and Hard Donk is at his very best, which is what I feel will happen, I think it's going to go the distance, much like his battle with Herring, although I think this will be a much more dominant performance from Czech. I've got Czech winning unanimous decision in, in what could be one of the better fights of the night. I just really think that's what will happen here. And, Matt, you were correct on uh, on the weigh-in results there. Hard Donk came in at 249. Check Congo in at 232. So it is kind of surprising to see that, but at the same time, uh, Czech Congo has always been more of a ripped heavyweight than uh, some others. So our next fight up, light heavyweight bout between Luis Kane and Steve Cantwell. Um, I'm really excited to see what Steve Cantwell can do against Luis Kane. I don't see him having any chance to win this one because Kane is too powerful. I think Kane takes this one with a second round TKO. He showed against Sokaju a, a great ability to withstand punishment, but also dish out punishment. And uh, I, I, there's no way, in my mind, that Cantwell gets this one to the ground where he can win it. And I think that's the only shot he's got to win this fight is by submission. And I don't think that he's going to be able to get it there, um, at least not to be effective enough. I think Kane is just going to overpower him again. It's another fight where I think the heavy hands of Kane are going to lead to the victory here, and Cantwell's a really young fighter who's got a bright, bright, bright future ahead of him, but he's been thrown right into the deep end after that uh, that sick armbar he pulled out in his uh, debut fight for the organization, so I've got Kane taking this one by second round TKO. Jason, your thoughts here? I've got Kane by first round TKO. I think this is going to be too much too soon for Cantwell. I think right now he's way too robotic and stiff. He, he fights so upright. I think Kane's power alone is enough to blast him out, but I think the movement is just going to be way too much and will position him in a shot to eat a knockout blow. Uh, what is depressing about this is when you look at Stan, who's likely to go down in defeat to Szczynski, uh, Cantwell dropping to Kane, uh, Carlos Condit's uh, loss. Uh, you know, this is going to send a general perception to everybody that WEC is by and large second rate, even though for the very lightweight it's not the case. But for the casual fans, when they hear, you know, another former champion from the WEC stepping up to the UFC, getting blasted out on a show or getting defeated, I think it is going to ruin a little bit of that, you know, perceived marketability for it and push it as definitely a UFC minor league second-tier kind of company, even though a guy like Miguel Torres proves that's completely off-base. But in this bout, uh, Louise Kane is going to be way too much. Uh, if Cantwell can win this fight, he definitely is the real deal. Still has a way to go to improve himself. But I, I just don't think right now this is the best matchup for him. I think the power is going to be too much, and it's going to overwhelm him. And, 
you know, after a great performance this fight for the troops, uh, I just see him coming down to earth against Kane and, you know, probably about the middle of the first round. I will be pleasantly shocked if Cantwell can, can pull this one out because he's definitely a fighter that you can see a lot of potential in. And if he is able to pick up a win here, that would be a major, major victory in his young career. Matt, your thoughts here on this uh, light heavyweight bout? I think we're all in agreement that uh, Kane's size and, and power are going to be the difference in this fight. Um, I, I do think that, that Campbell is going to acquit himself well here, and, and I honestly think, I hope at least, that, uh, you know, Brian Sands probably not going to look very good tomorrow night, but I think Carlos Comet also acquitted himself well fighting a, a legitimate top ten and maybe even top five welterweight and Martin Campman, you know, down to the wire. And I think uh, I think Campbell's going to put on a, a good performance. I think he's eventually going to succumb to the accumulation of power shots, but I think they're going to trade back and forth for, uh, you know, close to, to two rounds before before somebody finally drops. And I think that'll be Campbell that does drop. But I, I think people realize that the WEC light heavyweight division was pretty thin, and I honestly think, seeing their champion stand toe-to-toe with a top-10 UFC light heavyweight will be more of, of an endorsement than anything else for uh, how good he of a fighter what he was in WEC. So um, I like Kane in the fight. I, I think Cantwell has a bright future. He's, uh, he's a pretty young guy, so he's got a long way to go. But I, I like what I see out of him. This just is maybe too quick up a, up a, a step up of competition you know, for his for his next fight after his USC debut. So, uh, Kane, second-round TKO, but my pick for fight of the night and I think a good close-to-two-round battle on the feet. Next up is our co-main event of the evening, Mauricio Shogun Hua taking on the returning Chuck Liddell um, in what, like we've talked about, is really a must-win fight for both guys here. Uh, Shogun has not been fighter that he was hyped to be coming out of pride, um, at least against Forrest Griffin and against Mark Coleman. And while injuries and a long layoff may be to blame for both of those performances, the fact of the matter is he has not looked good in the cage. And Chuck Liddell moving over to American Top Team to uh, try to improve upon the fact that he hasn't really changed his training much in his entire career, um, he, he's got to be thinking, you know, another loss here, losing four out of five. For as much as Dana's talking about retirement, you know, Chuck isn't really thinking that, but at the same time, it may be forced upon him with a loss here. So I think you, what you're going to see here is an almost desperate Chuck Liddell, but a devastating Chuck Liddell. I think, uh, I think Shogun's going to be in much better shape than he was in the Coleman fight, but I still think that uh, he's not going to be able to get that knockout punch on Liddell here. Uh, I don't think he's as strong as Rashad or as Quentin Jackson, and uh, I think we're in for a battle, but I think Chuck redeems himself here, and he gets a second-round TKO in this fight. But I think it's going to be pretty much a war until it gets to that point. And uh, I think Liddell picks up a win, maybe gets one or two more fights. I don't see him getting back into title contention um, unless he drastically has improved something with American Top Team. That's not going to happen. But 
I, I think he has a good performance tomorrow night, and I, I think Chuck takes his fight. Matt, what are you thinking on this one? Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think the two schools of thought with, with Chuck Liddell are, yeah, the people who just go, you know what, he's he's just getting old. He just doesn't have it anymore. You know, age is finally caught up to him. And, and then there's the other people who say, well, no, the problem is he's so one-dimensional that the ever-evolving game of mixed martial arts has caught up to him. And I kind of think it's a combination of, of both. His game has always relied on using his wrestling in reverse to avoid takedowns and then uh, waiting to, to counterpunch people and using his his big, heavy overhand right to knock people out. And the problem with that is, as he's gotten older, he's gotten a little bit slower. And when you get a little bit slower, you lose some of your power. He doesn't have quite the knockout power that he wants at. He still has heavy hands. He still can knock people out. But it's not the, you know, boom, out of nowhere, you know, he just catches you, clips you with a punch, and, and you're out. That's not going to happen anymore. Um, he's at least smart enough that he's realized, I need to kind of go back to my roots. He's not going to all of a sudden become a jiu-jitsu black belt overnight. He's he's not going to be pulling out any triangles or arm bars. But expect him to go for some takedowns and work his ground and pound and maybe work his clinch game and, and you know, dirty box. Do do the things that he can still do. Uh, unfortunately for Hua, the, the story is kind of his knees are bad. And when you're a fighter who, who made their name on their explosiveness, you can't have multiple knee surgeries and expect to be that same fighter. Uh, he's just lost a, a step, and that's kind of the difference between him being average and being great. And he's, I think, just going to be an average fighter from here. And, and that's really unfortunate, you know, for people who, who knew how great he was just a couple years ago. Um, I think they're both going to come in and fight their asses off. They are both warriors. They have a warrior mentality, and I don't think either of them will, you know, not come in in as good of shape as they can possibly be. They're both going to come out, and they're going to put everything they have into the fight, and it's going to be a, a fun battle. It's not going to be as skilled as it would have been in 2006, but this will still be just fine with the uh, the added drama of both of their jobs being on the line, you know, for 2009. So I like Liddell. Um, I think I'm with you. Uh, a second-round TKO sounds about right. And I think he, yeah, he'll get at least another fight or two. Uh, it's just crazy for me to think that just a, a couple years after him being the, the most dominant force in the sport that he's fighting for his job. But that's the way it goes in this game. And, and uh, good luck to both those guys trying to save their careers tomorrow night. Jason, your thoughts on this bout? You know, this is the right fight for both fighters from business sense at this point. Obviously, a couple of years ago it would have been much more significant, and it possibly could have been bigger as far as the cash registers go. But uh, a result either way gives the UFC something, because if Hua would have gone out here and faced anybody else and gotten drilled or shown himself to be in poor shape again, there's nowhere to go with him. If he defeats Chuck Liddell, regardless of how shot Liddell is, it could be spun into Shogun is back, and you've got another fight. You've, you can market him again. Uh, in the reverse, you've got the same exact scenario for Chuck, which is why, from a UFC standpoint, with their face, Chuck Liddell, this makes the most sense. If Hoopa looks even halfway decent and Chuck Liddell destroys him, you can at least 
send the fans home and everybody with the feel-good moment that the Iceman is back, even though it doesn't mean he could be back against a top-tier opponent. But for one night, this could be just right for everybody that's a Liddell fan. I mean, both guys are knockout artists. This will be a knockdown, drag-out fight. But I think Liddell is going to utilize his wrestling base and some of the things that he perhaps has worked on. I wouldn't necessarily say learned. I don't think Chuck is going to learn anything new at this stage. But I think working with American Top Team is going to at least behoove him to try some things more. And I think this will wear down Shogun, who, you know, like was said with the knees, uh, he, he's lost his springs. I definitely think his cardio shape is a result of that, and maybe he'll never get back into that shape he was. He definitely will never regain his explosiveness. But I see a tired Hula getting a little lazy, open mouth, gasping for air, and I see Chuck hitting that one shot that sends everybody home happy and puts Liddell back in the win column. Uh, it doesn't really put him on the top of anything, but at least positions him and the UFC with, hey, we've got another Chuck Liddell fight. Or, you know, who knows? Maybe, you, you know, maybe it could shock us all, and he could want to go out on top after a victory like this. You know, Dana's put the feelers out that, this might be the last time you get to see Chuck Liddell. That's probably more if he loses, but stranger things have happened. I see Chuck Liddell winning by early to mid-second-round TKO, and if anything, they could put him on ice for a little bit and position him for a fight, you know, a rematch with Evans or a fight with Machida or something. I don't think Chuck will ever return to that top level, this might be his last chance, his last taste of the big-time glory, but it's going to be a feel-good moment. He'll get the TKO, and he gets it over a Shogun who still has at least some modicum of, of a name left. Because after this fight, where do you go with Shogun Hua? I mean, there's nothing left for the UFC really with him. I mean, the guy is pretty much shot at 27 years old. So I think this is a perfect fight for everyone involved. It makes the most sense. You know, if Hua wins, they can rebound with Shogun's back, but I'm going with Liddell by second round TKO, and at least for one night at UFC 97, Chuck is going to get to posture in the middle of the octagon, and people can, you know, postulate on the Iceman is back. He's not back for long, but for one night he will be. You know, let's face it, people want to see Chuck do well. He's just, he's an ultimately likable personality. He was the first, one of the first coaches on The Ultimate Fighter, Fans just gravitate towards him. They always have. They want. They don't want to see him go away. And I think a lot of what Dana's spouting off is just to sell the fact that, uh, to, just to sell this pay per view, which is kind of getting a tepid response as as is. I, I think a lot of that is just hyperbole on Dana's part to um, kind of amp up that fact and get more people to watch this because it is Chuck Liddell fighting. I think win or lose, we see Chuck Liddell at least one more time in the octagon because he's not going to go out like that. Uh, that being said, you know, I'm with you guys on the knees for Hua. Knee injuries, especially chronic knee injuries, it's devastating to an athlete. Um, and even though he's only 27 years old, we've already seen the effects of the multiple knee injuries not allowing him to train properly or um, uh, taking away that explosiveness that was his M.O. and pride. So, you know, going into this, uh, if he pulls out something, Jason, you're right. They've got it set up perfectly where if he pulls out something and uh, Chuck looks it, it looks good in defeat, 
who has given himself another day, another dollar. Uh, and same thing with Chuck. If Hua looks good in this fight, if he wins, gets himself another big-name fight. So uh, definitely a good matchup. Finally, our main event of the evening, and Silva defending his middleweight title once again against Talis Leitis. Um, you know, a lot has been said about the fact that Leitis is, you know, world-class jiu-jitsu, uh, very good ground game, might be able to give Silva some fits. The thing is, Silva has faced guys with good ground games. Silva has gotten out of those situations with Ws because that's all he does. Silva is one of the best fighters pound for pound in the world. I don't see Lightus being much of uh, much of a challenge here. I, I I I think he gets it to the second round because he's better than some of the tomato cans that Silva has uh, fought in the past. He's better than some of the guys that um, aren't tomato cans that Silva has fought in the past. And I, I think he has enough in him to get out of the first round at least. But he's going to be he's going to succumb to just the hands and the pressure from Anderson Silva. I see an early second-round uh, TKO from the champ here. Um, I mean, let's not forget that Anderson Silva is a black belt in jiu-jitsu himself. I mean, it, for all of the talk about Lightus having a great ground game, doesn't mean that he's going to be able to do anything with it once he gets it to the ground. Silva has shown himself to be resilient in those situations. And really, when you look at Lightus's fight against Nate Marquardt last summer, Anderson Silva is a bigger, stronger, faster, scarier Nate Marquardt, much more talented, and he showed that by beating Nate Marquardt the first time they faced and dominating him there. And the fact that Lightus was getting overpowered by Marquardt in that fight last summer should go to show that Anderson Silva should be able to do the same thing. I don't see this being much of a challenge for the champion. and That's not to knock Talos Lightus as a fighter. That's just simply saying Anderson Silva is that much better than everyone else in that division. And uh, that's how I see that one going. Jason, where are you at with the, the main event? I see Anderson Silva returning to his true dominant form with a late first-round TKO. I think, you know, a lot of people are giving, you know, Lightus a lot of credit, much of it deserved. But I think more of it is to sell a competitive matchup for the main event of the card. And I just don't see that being here. This is a great main event because it features Anderson Silva. But at this point, Anderson Silva could main event against three random guys pulled out of the bathroom in succession and put on a great show for the fans. I think Latus is in the right place at the right time for this bout, but he's never faced an opponent on half the level of Silva. I mean, Marquardt is still a step and a half below Silva. Silva is head and shoulders above everybody. And like you said, as far as his bout with Marquardt, if Marquardt was giving you fits, Silva's going to give you more than fits. He's going to send you into spastic fits after he knocks you out. I don't care how good Leitus is on the ground, because you have to get Silva down first. In doing so, he's going to face that sick Muay Thai clinch, and I, I think everything is just going to be way too much for him. And I look for a competitive fire to have been lit under Silva's ass by Dana White, by others, even though a fighter like this would never admit it. But come on, you had your performance dogged by the president of the company. You're going to want to shut him up or any of your detractors up, and how better to do it than to come out here and decimate a guy that is being given a fair shake. 
I think Lightus is a, you know, he's a good underdog. He's a game fighter. Um, he deserves this shot because there's really not much else there. You know, Silva's en route to cleaning out the division, to say the least, but, you know, this is not going to be his night. This is Anderson Silva's night, uh, you know, mid to late first-round TKO, and I think Anderson Silva puts on a show that will shut anyone up that had any problems with his performance against Patrick Cote. I think Lightus is getting a little bit too much credit for being near the level of Silva, and I think the performance, you know, on Saturday night is going to show everybody that, yeah, everyone else is still a step or two behind Anderson Silva. If he lets you catch up to him, it's because he slowed down. As soon as he speeds up again, the distance is there. As far as the gap in talent, Silva's head and shoulders above, and he will show this with ease. That's why this card is so important to have Liddell and Hua to back it up, to sell it. Because right now, you cannot sell a pay-per-view with Anderson Silva against the next contender. So having Chuck Liddell on the card bolsters the pay-per-view receipts, and then you get a chance to see the great Anderson Silva kick ass in the main event. And everyone should be happy if that's what they want, because this will be a first-round TKO for the Spiker. Matt, are you thinking anything different on this fight? No, certainly, certainly not. Um I read article after article leading up to, to this event where inevitably the the author will say something to the effect of, but Latus has the prototypical game to give Silva problems and to take out, you know, be the one to upset Anderson Silva. Well, you know, we don't really know that because we haven't seen that happen yet. Um, I mean, he hasn't lost since he decided, oh, I should probably go train with the Nogueira brothers and get my black belt in jiu-jitsu. Um, since then, he's been unbeatable. And uh, as much as, you know, some people train, seem to be trying to convince themselves that Talos Latis has a chance in this fight, it, to me, the more and more I think about it, it almost seems like he's just being put in there to get beat down by Anderson Silva so they can rebuild Anderson Silva after the, the, you know, tiny black eye that was put on his uh, reputation with the, the Patrick Cote fight. Um, to to kind of borrow an analogy from, from professional wrestling, you know, sometimes a, a fighter will go through a feud and, and kind of afterwards coming out needs to be built back up a little bit, so they, they start giving him the series of squash matches again. And I think that's almost what Talos latest is for Anderson Silva here. He's He's going to get squashed here, and Anderson Silva is going to look great in the process. Uh, you know, Talos Latis, he he's lost once in the UFC to Martin Campman, and as far as I'm concerned, he's lost twice because he got beat down by Nate Marquardt. And in those two fights, uh, the common theme to me was he was up against better fighters, and that's what better fighters did to Talos Latis. And Anderson Silva is a whole lot better than Nate Marquardt and Martin Cannon. So I can't imagine how this is going to be any different. Uh, this should be a, a textbook. Let's return to the, you know, Rich Franklin one and two fights with Anderson Silva, the, those kind of beatdowns. Um, I think Silva will want the beatdown to last through the first round, but in the second round he will put it away, and, and there won't be a, any dull moments that, like there were in the Patrick Cote fight. This should be all action and it should be a clinic from start to finish by Anderson Silva, second-round TKO. Well, guys, we're surprisingly almost entirely in agreement with every fight on this main card. Uh, 
let's get your quick thoughts on the undercard before we finish, before we wrap this up here. Um, and what, what is the fight that you're most looking forward to on this undercard? Um, for me, I, I really want to see what David Luazo's got after a couple of years out of the organization coming back in against Ed Herman. Um, Matt Wyman versus Sam Stout could have a very decent, uh, lightweight bout themselves. Uh, I, 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 my upset of the, of the night is the newcomer TJ Grant. He's coming in on a four fight win streak into the UFC, has won almost all of his bouts by submission, and, uh, with the hometown crowd in front of him, I think he might be, be the one to pull off, uh, pull off the upset undercard, so I'm interested to see if I'm correct on that one. Dennis King, you know, he's looking for retribution after, um, failing his debut uh, against Belcher and then, Nate Quarry and Jason McDonald are, are sure to put on a, a great fight. Both guys have uh, a lot of heart and will be looking to put on a good show for the fans. That's what they come out to do. Um, so a lot of good stuff on the undercard. Uh, Matt, what are you looking forward to the most? I think the best fight on the undercard is the Jason McDonald-Nate Quarry fight. Kind of two, two middleweights who are never really going to be top 10 middleweights, but they're kind of in that 11 to 15 type of range and, and really fighting for the uh, true gatekeeper title of that division to where, uh, you know, if if you can beat those guys, you're you're ready for the upper echelon, and if not, you can't. Um, the fight I'm most looking forward to is the Sam Stout and Matt Lyman fight, uh, just two of my kind of favorite under-the-radar fighters, and I, I just can't imagine them putting on a, a bad fight. And it, quickly, if if I can go back to the... Chuck Liddell, uh Shogun fight, we're, we're kind of talking about what it means for for the fighters should they win. And, and I also think there's kind of a clear path that sets up uh, the winner of, of that fight. I, I almost think, like, the UFC kind of plans. The winner of that fight's definitely going to have some momentum. And then if Forrest Griffin can get back Tiago Silva at UFC 101, perhaps Forrest Griffin can fight, you know, either rematch Shogun or the fight with Chuck Waddell that they wanted to happen, uh, you know, last year. Those those could both be big business fights, and you could honestly sell the winner of that as the new number one contender after, you know, Rampage fights Machida and the winner of that fights, uh, or excuse me, Rashad fights uh, Machida and the winner of that fights Rampage. So I think the, the light heavyweight title picture is kind of clear for the next year or so. Um, and, and I honestly think the US, UFC would be able to sell Chuck Liddell as uh, the number one contender if he could somehow pull off back-to-back victories against Shogun Ahua and Forrest Griffin. Good take on that. Good take on that. Jason, uh, what are you looking forward to most on this undercard? And any final thoughts to wrap this up? I think this is really a fantastic undercard. And if all things go well, we'll get to see a few of these make the main broadcast. Uh, Stout and Wyman, that's a fight I think all three of us would like to see. And timing and pace of the show from what we all predict, I think that one's a shoe-in to make the card. I'm excited to see that one. Uh, McDonald and Quarry is a great fight because it's two C-level fighters, but two equal fighters can make for a great fight. And I think both of them are scrappy enough that it'll be much better than it could be anticipated. Plus, I love Nate Quarry. I think the guy could lose five, ten in a row. He's just a likable guy. But I think he is going to be a good challenge for McDonald. Um, Herman Loazzo, I think, really stands out for me because you've got the Crow making his comeback 
And on the other hand, you've got Ed Herman, who has been uninspiring, unimpressive, and another fight or two could find himself out of the UFC entirely. So you've got two guys in this bout who are looking to make some noise immediately. That's why I think Herman Malasso stands out for me as a must-see fight with Stout and Wyman right there with it, if not slightly ahead of them. But the undercard is super strong. Uh, the main card is full of the names, but it's not necessarily the most competitive card overall. should be fun. It should be fun. And I like Matt's idea for uh, Chuck's future. A Chuck Forrest fight is definitely money, money in the bank. If Chuck wins... That makes sense for everybody involved because it just makes a gang of money for everybody and no one comes out the loser because, you know, Forrest would conceivably win and, you know, I beat Chuck Liddell. It's always a good thing to have on your resume. Plus, the UFC would do just boo-coo numbers for that one. Um, overall, I think it's a solid card. Uh, we're going to see a couple of good fights. I think we're going to see a great performance by Anderson Silva. And if we're lucky, we could see a few of these undercard bouts. Um, this this card will be forgotten very soon because UFC is getting ready to go towards UFC 100. But this is a very solid card featuring their best superstar and their biggest name, arguably, in Liddell. And you can't go wrong with this one from top to bottom. Yeah, they're kind of poised to to bring these events to a crescendo and kind of keep it at that spot after UFC 100 for a couple of events with the fights that are lined up. Uh, I mean, we just got a ridiculous number of really good big fights this summer. So a lot of stuff to look forward to, guys, and I will talk to you again next week, and we will see if we were correct on our predictions from this main card. So uh, thanks again for, for joining me on the Torch Audio Update. I will talk to you guys later. All right, take care.